Well, you know, it's kind of like when the weather patterns come together to cause like a tornado, everything all coming together and converging at the same time, end of the month, end of the quarter. And so that means we got the stocks in all positions report yesterday, but it was also a full moon. You know, the full moon just adds a little dab of crazy to the entire equation. Got a lot to cover today with the USDA stock report out yesterday and Colleen Kavanaugh are standing by to pick that whole thing apart. So we'll get to them in just a moment here. But the guys are brought to you each week by the Allen County Farm Bureau. Like all the farm bureaus around the state are very busy all the time. You know, they support a lot of great things too, like 4-H and FFA kids. Kind of the same way your membership supports the farm families that feed us. You don't have to be a farmer to be a part of the Farm Bureau, but it, boy, it sure does help all the activities that they involve themselves in. So go online to it pays to be a member.org. Well, guys, a lot of numbers to digest in yesterday's report. David, why don't you kick us off? Give us an idea of what those numbers were, and then we'll start to pick them apart. Yeah, Rob, because the corn is actually a little bit bullish. And I say that tongue in cheek because you saw what the prices have done since then. Corn came in at 1.361 billion bushels. Now, the average guess, these guys are really smart, 1429. And look how much lower the USDA was. And last year's ending stocks were 1377. So we are tighter than we were a year ago. And on the beans, it came in at 2.68. Now this, the smart people said, oh, we're smarter than that. It's supposed to be 242. And a year ago, it was 274. So it's a little bit less than a year ago on beets, but it's quite a bit more than what people were thinking. The wheat stocks right now are 1780. And a year ago is 1778. So, so not much change. But the big question is, why are the prices so much lower on the grains? In fact, the report was fairly much neutral for beans and negative for corn. Yeah, a lot of questions here. I mean, intuitively speaking, I'm looking at that soybean number and a little bit puzzled by that, John, because we've been worried about China's demand for our products, our commodities. And recently, soybeans are pretty much the only thing they've been buying. And then we're hearing some noise about, well, eh, this soybean crop out west really isn't as good as we thought it was going to be. So I'm looking at that number and I'm going, how do you justify that? Well, it- you mentioned about the, the crop out west, maybe it's not as good as they thought it was going to be. That's got nothing to do with the stocks number. The number that the government came out with was the measured crop year ending stocks as of September the 1st. And that's an actual measurement where they go in and measure the bins and see what's actually out there. The estimate they had before was a paper estimate, that they're estimating that this much is going to be crushed, this much is going to be exported, therefore we started with X, therefore we should have this much left. And it showed that we actually had more out there than what the government was calculating. Now, why that is, who knows? It's just error. There's a lot of bins out there with a lot of stuff in them. But you just said something, and I want you to elaborate on it before you go to your next point, and that is crush, because you've been following crush pretty pretty carefully here recently and for a pretty good reason. So crush factors into this whole thing. Oh, absolutely. It does. You know, theoretically, the government or anybody ought to be able to estimate uh, the carryover pretty close on soybeans because uh, we know what the beginning crop is, or at least we think we do. And we get weekly crush numbers or excuse me, monthly crush numbers, and we get weekly export numbers. So therefore, they should be, they should match up. And, and why we were 26 million bushes high, really you have to ask the question, how come they were off that much? Because sh- they shouldn't, well, they probably <laughs> made an error in the, in the original production number. We probably produced more in all likelihood than what we have been using for the past year. But you mentioned following crush. Here's what's concerning me about soybeans. This carryover number that we just came at was still sub 300. 
that's pretty bullish. It's not real bullish, but it's fairly bullish. And we have very little room for error. And in the September supply demand estimates, the USDA came out with a projection for next year's carryover to be 220. And when you're at 220, you're getting real tight yeah. with no room for error. Yet, on the other hand, what do we learn this past year? Is the crush margins have been so good, there are a lot of new plants and a lot of capacity expansion going on in the industry. And the estimate I saw was that over the next two years, we could see the demand for soybeans for crush go up by 600, maybe even 700 million bushels. Okay, we're going to have to have more acres to produce more soybeans. The market today is favoring beans over corn. And in fact, uh, analysts have said they are now thinking we're going to probably lose uh, somewhere around two to two and a half million acres of corn to soybeans. First of all, we may need more than that. Take a look at that 600 million and figure an average yield of around 50 bushels. And that tells you how many more acres we need. At the same time, we're losing corn acres. Yeah. We're actually building a case for a market where both demand and supply of both corn and soybeans is such that large supply numbers we're starting to build now may not last long. And that's bullish. Well, you know, all we need to do is ask the USDA. They'll go out and find a bunch of corn acres like they did last report for us, about <laughs> 700 million acres or whatever. David, talk to us about those corn numbers. They look, what, not really bearish, not really bullish? How do you figure it? They're slightly bullish because, you know, at 1.361, a year ago was 1.377. And with the average way up at 1.429, it's actually a little bit friendly. But wave after wave of selling has not just hit the corn, it's hit wheat, it's hit beans, it's hit hogs, it's hit cattle, it's hit gold and silver. Stock market's mixed right now. It just looks like instead of getting the rain just in New York, which is flooding New York, by the way, right now, the whole country got flooded with negativism here in the last (laughs) few hours. (laughs) That speaks to the point about the entire inland river system and moving stuff from point A to point B. And uh, that Mississippi, we, we got some problems there. David, is that still getting very shallow? Much shallower. You know, we were eight a few weeks ago. We talked about, you know, it was down around 10 before. We wouldn't get that low this soon. It's now at Memphis 10.62. Last year was an all-time low at 10.81 under normal river level. So the point is, is the Mississippi River is getting awfully thin. They're talking about only 10% of grain goes into these barges because the river levels are so low, John. That's going to really mess up the export markets, and it could cause the demand to shift away from the U.S. But if it's hard to get these vessels loaded, then they're going to go elsewhere. With regard to the prices, it does look like after a significant amount of time with the U.S. dollar getting stronger and stronger, I think at least it began to pull back here in recent days. But we've got another thing on the horizon we need to talk about just briefly here, and that is USDA surveyors are now out in the field sampling crops for the October 12th WASDE report. But I tell you, whatever happens today before midnight is really going to factor into that because here it is, the end of the month, and we've been watching the farm bill, which is expiring today. And I doubt that they're going to come up with any sort of a solution to that before the day is out today. But the fact that the government might shut down would mean that we won't have an October 12th WASD report. And uh, David, I'll let you take the first shot at that. What does that mean for the markets? Well, it's like 2013. The government shut down then in October. 
October. And that means we got no reports that month and in November too. And it looked like, well, what are we going to do? Well, let's just see what the market says that we're going to be doing, not paying attention to the USDA numbers. And, you know, funnily, business is what business does. And business kind of you know goes on its own merits, so to speak. And I think we're going to be back to our own merits again. It's nice to have these USDA numbers kind of second guess us a little bit. But then again, every time we haven't had those numbers, we still have been able to pave the way. The problem is, though, the export reports won't be coming out. Oops. We won't be getting the monthly reports. Whoops. And so there'll be a little <laughs> bit of darkness in the room. And, and the screen will be a lot darker on your computer, too. But uh, other than that, uh, I think the markets will find a way around it, although it is rather difficult. I remember 2013 very well. There was hours at a time. You just didn't know what to do or where to go. And the market didn't either. David, though, that's still a concern because we're talking about the October report. And that's going to be the most significant production report that we'll have seen to date. Yeah, we can work around it and the market will work around it. We'll be getting lots of combine results by then. But not actually knowing what those numbers are kind of leaves us flying in the dark. Yeah. Well, I listen, you know, the other thing is, is that uh, demand is a huge issue that we're going to be following and talking about. And that's one of the things that makes some of these numbers out of USDA sometimes a little bit mysterious. Talk about the fact that USDA's numbers for corn export, their expectations are a little bit too much on the bullish side. But David, when it comes to demand again, you know, we talk about livestock. And we had yeah. some changes this week. You know, we we're watching those hogs and pigs reports come out. And uh, this week, man, it, the prices just uh, plummeted for lean hogs prices uh, for the October fix anyway. I mean, I think that was one of the biggest losses they've had in recent memory. Oh, yeah. Dece was down 375 points near the close. But the pig crop report was very interesting to me. Nationally, kept for breeding is down 1%. Now, that was pretty much what was expected. But look at this, guys. Indiana's kept for breeding was up 4% from 250 to 260. Yeah, we're mm. a smaller state, but farmers in Indiana are glad to grow these hogs. And if you look at South Farrowing, it's pretty much a down number for the United States total, but Indiana was unchanged. And look at this, the pigs kept per litter is up 6%, nationally up 4%. You know, mm. as we've gotten rid of these breeding hogs, We've actually got more efficiency. But on the demand, does this mean that there hasn't been enough uh, demand for pork at the meat counter? That's the story. Everybody's still wanting beef. And a lot of these stores are trying to do features on beef, but having trouble getting enough beef to feature them. Well, yeah. But pork is getting the cold shoulder right now. <laughs> on the shoulder <laughs> roast. Uh, here we are. Uh, time for the final word. And John, I understand you've got a final word that's going to blow us all away. Well, I don't know if it's going to blow us all away, but I will say that palm oil is back in the news. Oh, and, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We haven't talked about palm oil for a while, but a world veg oils analyst has said that the palm oil is currently undergoing supply problems, and yet demand is increasing. Therefore, today's price for palm oil, which is $100 per ton, is too cheap. So he estimates that over the next four to six months, palm oil prices are going to go up, maybe sharply, depending. What's the significance of that? Well, if palm oil prices, in fact, do go up, and it looks like they will, that's going to mean soybean oil prices are going to go up with it. Yay, they're too cheap right now. If that's the case, that brings more support into the soybean price. You know, something to think about, too. I mentioned the fact about the, all this additional crush that's coming on stream over the next two years, which translates for a need of between 10, 11 million more bean acres. Where's that coming from? I can't quite get my arms around that one. 
The visit each week with Coley and Kavanaugh is made possible by support from the Allen County Farm Bureau. Your local Indiana Farm Bureaus are supporting things like agriculture in the classroom programs that educated over 40,000 kids and political action that eliminated state inheritance tax that accounts for as much as $300 million in savings annually right here in the state of Indiana. Now, when you support the Farm Bureau with a membership, you're supporting the farmers that feed us. And you don't have to be a farmer to get all the great benefits from membership. Go online to it pays to be a member.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.